I think we should do it. I think we should we should say hi to everybody. You think we should we should say hi to everybody? Yeah. I mean, they've come to expect it, I think. And they have. you know, we are we are a much beloved couple at this point, so I That's think it makes, true. it makes sense. There was over a dozen of you that listen to our show on a weekly basis. And thank you so much for that. This is Infinite Pulp. Welcome back. At this point, this will like we'll be back. This will be like our third episode. Last week should have been Thunderball. Hope you joined us for that, <laughs> Mr. Sean Connery. But in real life, Max and I haven't actually chatted for a bit. It's been about two weeks, maybe even longer than that since we recorded. Mm-hmm. We haven't recorded since the week Sean Connery passed away. That was the last time we recorded. Yeah. So. And and I would be proud to announce that I have not slapped any women in that time. Excellent. Excellent. Open, open-handed or, or closed. closed-handed. That's good. That's good. Yes, yes. You know what? I'm going to pour a glass of a little uh, scotch for that and drink to, to that. <laughs> Excellent. You still because drinking that uh, Ela? Ar- Arbalor? Arbalor, yeah, buddy. Arbalor. So good. Yes, I am. I love the I color, drink- too. It's such a it's rich, like, such reddish a rich gold. Color. Yeah, yeah, and this is like, um, this is my brother got this for me mm-hmm. for, uh, um, as a gift for being one of his groomsmen's at his wedding. It's a lovely gift. It is a wonderful gift. And now I have, I don't, what are those officially called? Because they're not decanters. Like, there's, is, there's got to be a specific word for that, right? What? Like a... The carafe of, like, you know, like these. Like, what are, like, these bottles? I think it is a decanter. That Well, um, well, the decanter uh, is oddly shaped and open at the top, right? Yeah. To let it air out. Yeah, you know. yeah, yeah, you're right. A decanter is for glass. There is a term for it. Um, I know there is. And I can't think of it either because it's I mean, really fancy. Like I don't, you know, like rich, rich, evil businessmen and lawmen keep it in their offices in TV shows and movies to drink yes. from. And it's usually yes, made of crystal true. and it usually yes, it gets is. broken over their heads at some point. Yeah, which would not happen. Mm-mm. Those things are thick, man. That <laughs> like that would not break over your head. No, you well, the amount of force you would need to generate to break one over somebody's head is like that's true. Superhero level. Absolutely. Absolutely. And like you would almost have to have a super skull as well. <laughs> Which many many supervillains do. They do have super skulls. That's true. Mm-hmm. That is true. Yes, I'm excited to be back. Thank you so much. This is I was just thinking today like as I was working, like, oh, oh, man, like I haven't edited or recorded for like a couple weeks and like I need to get back into the groove. Yeah. Can't get complacent. Not even so much that. It was like, do I want to continue doing this? And as soon as I started sitting down and talking to him, I'm like, yeah, of course, this is fun. This is great. <laughs> like, why would I not want to continue doing this? So we're going to keep on doing it for um, as long as we feel necessary, which, you know. As we uh, uh, keep on the program, uh, we'll figure it out. Maybe yeah. that's next week. Maybe it's after Christmas. Maybe who knows? The rules um, are made up and the points don't matter. That's absolutely true. 100%. Speaking of points, are you watching something tonight? I am. And Excellent. I have, I have figured it out. I did the math today. I um, <laughs> If I post a podcast every single week from here... Until with the amount of weeks we have left, unless I do two a week, th- I have to win every single one of these. Wow. I cannot lose. If I lose one of these, I lose the game. Wow. All right. Well, this is either going to be a very disappointing game or the start of what might be the greatest Cinderella story in the history of this podcast. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, 
I don't want to play yet. Just I'm nervous. Just because of what okay. I chose to watch. All I'm nervous. Right. I want. I have some other things I want to talk about. And usually we play the game right before our topic. Okay. Um, which, right. by the way, folks, we're talking about stories today. Um, essentially, I'm going to ask Max a bunch of questions about stories and how they're constructed. And he's going to try to answer them for me. And I have every confidence that he's going to give me an answer. Um, for everything. For everything, because he has to. And also, because I'm good at it. Well, that and uh, because I, 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 I've read some of your stories and um, I know you can construct them at least well enough for like one person to enjoy it. So if you can yeah. do that, you can answer questions. Hell right? yeah. Absolutely. Okay. So before we get into that, though, Max, how have you been? Because we have not chatted for a while. I'm pretty good, honestly. Um, I am pretty good. Like life is good. I'm, I'm learning how to engage with the rabbits we own a little bit more and that's good um therapy continues to be good um my grandfather passed away about a week ago my mother's father and it was the first of her two parents to pass so this is new for her and she's much more sort of emotional and sentimental than my dad is at least outwardly sort of fundamentally so um it's been really hard for her and it's been brutal trying to like figure out how to show up for her under COVID conditions, you know? Cause like my grandpa, he had a heart attack like 24 years ago. It was a blessing that he survived that and he'd had open heart surgery and we got him for another quarter of a century basically. So I think, you know, he, he was doing great. And for the last sort of few years, he's been in mental decline. And so I feel like I said goodbye to him already. Yeah. Um, but not being able to be there for my mom the way I want to has been rough. Yeah, I can imagine that, man. But in the midst of that, there's like, there's lights of hope, you know, um, I, am taking advantage of a small handful of um, Black Friday sales to tweak my my rig, my battle station, basically. Ooh, okay. Um, I spent a long time, my, my fiance's mother every year gets like this pay, payout from some bonds that she invested like a long time ago and gifts them to all of her kids. And so because I've basically been in the family long enough to for them to know I'm not going anywhere, this year I got grandfathered in too. And so she wrote me a check basically for a thousand dollars. Um, and I spent like seven or eight weeks thinking long and hard about mm -hmm. how to be disciplined with that money and like also honor the money because like, I didn't all just want, I didn't all just wanted like, I didn't want to dump all of it into my credit card and pour, pay it down in one lump. Cause I was like, I could do that, but there's no tangible gain in my life that I can share or that I can celebrate right. for, for that gift. So um, what I decided was I set a, 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 um, a limit of 500 for myself. So half of it goes to me and the other half of it goes into my joint savings with my partner. And anything and like, so my plan was to wait until Black Friday sales this month, do some really intensive shopping and uh, pick up. I needed a new monitor. I need a new pair of headphones because the ear cups on mine are ripped up. And honestly, man, they're not comfortable anyway. Yeah. Like they're really, it's time for me to move on. Um, and I also need a new chair because this chair is that fake leather stuff, that pleather mm -hmm. garbage that flakes after about two and a yeah. half years. And so like, there's just like, it looks like, it looks like someone in the house has like the worst case of dandruff ever. It's just like white <laughs> yeah. speckles everywhere that you have to go through and sweep oh, up great. every two or three days. It's frustrating as hell. 
So I'm getting a new chair. It's going to be like a mesh back with like a, a soft memory foam seat. Picked that up on sale for like a hundred bucks. Um, it's ergonomic. So I'm really excited about that. Whereas the one I have now is like executive style. Um, and the headphones I wind, wound up going for were the, um, I actually went for the Steel Series Arctic Se- Arctis 7s. And they are like currently out of stock everywhere because they're so good for what they do for the price point. Um, and I thought about getting like some music headphones, you know, I did research at that price point, but honestly the, the sound quality you get from a pair of audio headphones, Bluetooth audio headphones at that price point is virtually identical. And so, and I like the style of the Arctises and their ear cups are like cloth. It's like this microfiber stuff instead of the pleather. So it's, it's, it doesn't contain sound quite as much, but they are much softer. And that's been my biggest complaint with these headphones I've had for a couple of years now is just that like after sort of three hours of continuous wear, my ears start to feel sore. Yeah. So replace that. And then I spent a long time because I I ran a dual monitor setup for a long time. And if you have a computer, a PC, and you don't have two monitors, I'm telling you this will change your life. Um, Get a second monitor, a cheap, small one, like a 22, 24 inch, just like 60 hertz monitor to do the job. So you can have Netflix going on the one monitor while you work on the other or play on the other or whatever. You can keep multiple windows open to cross-reference back and forth. It's mind-blowing. I love it. Um, So I picked up a second monitor as well, and I waited a long time. I was checking like every major retailer sale every day to see what was new, Hmm. what was going on. I would spend like I spent like 15 or 20 minutes every day researching and I wound up picking up the Pixio, which is like a a, kind of an off brand. You know, it's like I think like a knockoff brand, Um, but I picked up a 32 inch monitor that has (laughs) 1440p resolution and it's capable of 165 hertz, which is the refresh rate. And so it's very smooth. Yeah. Uh, and I picked it up for $270. Dude, that's It was amazing. like $100 off the price tag and then another 30 bucks off with a promo code. So does it have, does it work better with um, AMD or NVIDIA's? So it's, like, it's, it's, it's synchrony syncs cross capable. It can do both. Sweet. Mine too. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I can do G sync and. Um, so I'm, I'm happy with that, but I can run it. I can run it at six at 165 Hertz and it's the smoothest I've oh, it's gosh, noticeable. I can't even imagine, which is funny because they say that the human brain can't process more than 60 frames a second, but I promise you, I can tell. Yeah. Like, I, it's, it's just, it's feeling, you know, I mean, but like, I feel like the ability to process something like that, it's different than being able to notice a little difference. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like you can notice the difference, but you may not be able to know like, and you're, you're, yeah, I, yeah, I, I mean, I'm with you. Yeah. I, I didn't think there was much of a difference between 30 and 60. Oh man. <laughs> but I've been playing my PS5 and my Series X this last week and a half. Yeah. And what I are their playing, refresh rates? Um, They can both go up to 120. Oh, heck yeah. But I don't have a TV capable of 120. So that's like the next thing if I like. I mean, in four or five years, the next thing I'm going to be doing is upgrading to like an OLED, like 55 inch, 60 inch. I don't understand why everything is an OLED already. Like the technology 4K. is so good. I have a TCL QLED, so I'm not like super sad about it. Like it's just not as, you know, I would like to get an OLED, but like this thing runs 4K at 60 hertz and that's fine. Like, yeah. like, for, like it's a 43 inch, so it's like a little more condensed. So I don't really need something that's super. Um, and if I, uh, so... 
I started playing Madden and like, I'm like, these guys look weird. Like they're just moving differently. And it wasn't for like two days that it hit me that it was just 60 FPS. Like that's yep. why it looks so much different. It's 60 FPS. And so I've been playing some, um, I've been just punching a lot of old games that I actually have not played either one of my PS5 exclusive games yet. My yeah. Miles Morales or Demon Souls. Yeah. I'm actually, I have Demon Souls. Um, I have two reasons for that. Miles Morales felt like a let's play this game Saturday mornings, like afternoons, like during the winter. Yeah, kind of game. Like, buddy. That's kind of what it feels like. So I'm going through the original PS4 Spider-Man 2018 right now again. Cool. Because like they up it and they remastered it for the PS5. Yeah. So I'm like, let's And they just imported go. a bunch of new suits and mm-hmm. stuff. And they really, yes. man, they did it right. Like the, the publisher are so cool. knocked it out. And you know what? I'm like, you know, I think it's. Not totally garbage, so I will give you the extra twenty bucks to yeah. to, to get this game. I saw a My, screenshot, and one of the reflective like spider symbols on his oh, suit yes. is a mirror, and it actually live reflects everything yep. going on. Yep. And just like that's really impressive. So I can that's either really run it. Great. I can run the game at um, sixty frames per second, four K performance mode, or I can run the game at thirty frames a second, but I get ray tracing. Oh, so I turned on the ray tracing. Yep, because I'm <laughs> That's like kind ah. of the way I would go to. <laughs> I'm like, I've never played this game in 60 FPS. If I never touch it, I'll never know what it feels like to be Spider-Man in 60 FPS until I get to Miles Morales, which is 60. Then I'll like understand what it is. Yeah. Yeah. So um, make make the whole transition to the next gen feel that much more. Meaningful. I think so. But yeah. dude, Spider-Man looks so good. Like I'm just yeah. changing out all of the suits and I've made a rule for myself in the game that um i only whenever i break i have to like go back to my bag or like go back to my place where i'm staying to change suits mm-hmm. so if i don't like if i don't like go back to sleep if i'm just out there i can't change my spider suit unless i like actually go back to change it okay or like have a break to change it so it makes me really think about what i'm going to wear for the day or for the night if i'm like going out of spider-man you know like yesterday i was the going spider-man out of- fashion angst yeah, like, it what, is. What am I? Which Spider-Man is this? Yeah, well, I had to switch between Noir suit <laughs> and the uh, the stealth suit. Yeah. And they look almost identical, but one of them just a little bit different. And I couldn't decide. I like the stealth suit overall more, but the stealth suit has finger like like tips in the gloves. Like it cuts mm-hmm. off like the glove tips. I'm like, well, it's stealth suit. I wouldn't want my fingerprints everywhere. So yeah, I can't do that. So that's it. But I was bringing up deep in souls because i thought if you wanted to we can do it now or we can do it for about 10 minutes after we get off the episode i thought maybe the first time i booted up demon souls and walked through the intro i yeah, just have you on it. i have you on the line with me and i can stream yeah. it to you yeah i'm in yeah. yeah for sure and so we'll, we can do that right after the podcast so if you're cool. listening to this live um <laughs> join us after the show <laughs> so you can watch that that's it. And I've been streaming some uh, games with my little brother. Him and I beat Man of Medan together. Yeah. Took us two nights. And it was fun. And uh, none of our none of our team survived. Hmm. None of them. Wow. That's but they, some impressive they, decision making, buddy. They didn't they didn't survive mid credits. They survived at beginning of credits and then there was an extra mid credit scene that we stuck around for and they didn't survive that. Oof. And so that was the bad part. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, well, you, that's pretty be, much all I have. Before we move on from video games and like the state of where we are each, um, I just want to point out you mentioned Spider-Man in the wintertime, in the mornings, in the afternoon. And just 
winter gaming is like oh yeah the comfiest thing in it's the, the world. best like it's like nature has given you an excuse to do what you already love for longer <laughs> yeah. than you already get to do it <laughs> yes. right normally you'd be like let's go out to dinner let's go out for a hike let's go do all these things and instead you know when when winter kicks in it's like well it's freaking cold want to just put on some sweatpants and you know, have some eggnog with bourbon in it and play some video games. And it's like, yeah, yes, 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 I want that. That's exactly what I want to do. <laughs> and Miles Morales is set in New York and it has snow in it. So I'm just like, come on. Like, it's going to be perfect. Yeah, it's going to be so perfect. So and it allows gives me an excuse to play through the new uh, or the older Spider-Man again, which I wanted to do. I just unfortunately didn't have my save file come through. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have any of my PS4 save files come through. And I already wiped my PS4 for you. <laughs> so, like, I was, I started booting up Bloodborne, and I was like, at the point where I was defeating the um, boss that you have to defeat to get Eileen the Crow's stuff, which is like the most difficult fight in the entire game. Which boss does it look like? What does it look like? It's a humanoid hunter, and you fight him in the old cathedral after where you fought Vicar. Oh, the NPC invader dude. Yes. Yeah, he's... Yeah. And it's the most difficult fight I've ever had to do in Bloodborne. Yep. And I was at that fight and I lost my save. And I'm like, do I... Man, do I really want to go through all that again just to like go through and beat him? Or should I just keep on playing South Park? Like, <laughs> you know? So <laughs> I may just send you the, all the stuff. And I'm going to get Bloodborne soon anyways because as soon as I get PS Live or PSN, whatever it yeah. is... I get Bloodborne, you know, like yeah. it comes with it. So good. Um, I think I'll just send everything out to you. Yeah. Well, I'm I, I like I told you, man, I, I'm psyched out of my mind to be able to play Bloodborne myself. And now to be able to play Bloodborne at 165 frames per second on 32 mm-hmm. inches, is just going to be like, yeah. Are you going to hook it up to your monitor? Hell yeah. Yeah. Dude. Hell yeah. Yeah. 1440p. Yes, please. Yes, yes, yes. It is a base PS4, so it's not going to like do anything crazy. That's okay. So I don't need just, it to do anything crazy. It may, I just stay, like, it may stay at 1080, but... Um, we'll work it out. We'll, we'll get to know. It's still going to look amazing. I mean, like, you're still going to have a great time um, with everything. Yeah. So and then the Advent, uh, obviously, Final Fantasy VII Remake. Dude, like, yes. I When I realized that, I squealed like a little girl. I was like, because yeah. I hadn't even thought about it. I was like, this is just a game I had resigned myself to never playing. Kind of like with the new Demon Souls, I'm just like never gonna happen for me, right? And and then the notion that like you were sending me your old system is just like mind blowing. So for those of you who are listening who don't know, as a thank you gift for me participating in this and sort of jumping on the bandwagon, Aaron is sending me his old PS4, and he's a champion. And so if you haven't already, send Aaron a thank you on behalf of me and gamers everywhere because mm-hmm. everyone should do this solid sort of stuff for their friends where you. You pass it on, you know. You, yeah, my partner wanted me to sell live. it, and I said, "No, I'm not going to sell it. I'm giving my <laughs> my my bay or my Xbox One S to my little brother." Hell yeah! And uh, you can have the PS4. I'm like, what am I going to need it for? We don't have any new emails, by the way. So no questions this week, huh? No questions this week. I was hoping I was hoping Rob would send in some more, but um, but he didn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude, it's just so much great. It's so much fun to uh, to play uh, cool. all these games. They're they're awesome, and so I'm I'm very sad about my Xbox Series X. It's in the shop right now. I don't want to talk about it, but I've been it, going back. Oh, sorry. Go ahead. 
Uh, nothing. It was just a sad thing. Um, when you play through Final Fantasy VII Remake, let me know and I will get myself a copy because those are the purchases I'm making for Black Friday. I am buying Final Fantasy VII Remake, Ghost of Tsushima, and Last of Us Part Two. I'm going to buy nice. those three games for uh, my PS5. I mean, you know, I'm going to get the... They're all backwards. But I really want to play Ghost of Tsushima. Yep. Um, and I really want to play Final Fantasy VII Remake. I can play the original Final Fantasy VII on Xbox Live or on Xbox Game Pass right now on my mm-hmm. Series X. But I don't know if I'm going to do Remake first or the old one first. I'm, I'm leaning actually towards doing Remake first and then the old one, but I'm not, I'm not positive. I think it would help me understand the older story if I did the Remake first. I actually watched some YouTube plays. Or do you think it should first, go the other way? They, so the difference is they add a bunch of stuff in the remake. There's a bunch of like artificial story prolonging happening where there's a lot of additional side quests that like flush out character development and stuff that make what was fun in its ambiguity more clear or more decisive one way or the other. Okay. So the original to me is like the the best it's got the crown basically it's like the best rpg it's one of the best rpgs of all time like top three for me so it's the rpg that got me into rpgs and video games in general like really like sold me on video gaming as like a hobby so i can't speak strongly enough to seven but i think if you play the the remake and then go back and play the original it will be fun because you'll be like whoa so this is what because honestly like the original Character designer, someone who's had a lot of input on the story, Tetsuya Nomura. He's you know, he was the story designer for Seven. He did Advent Children, the the animated movie, um, the Crisis Core video game, like all the stuff surrounding this Final Fantasy Seven world. He's been involved in, and he directed Seven, which means mm-hmm. like this is what he his vision yeah. for this was in the first place. So I think it's cool. My only fear is that if you play the remake and then go back to the original, you will then say what's the big deal? Right. Right. And, and right. But obviously by comparison, it's going to feel like, you know, like, yeah, like playing the original I'm, Mario after you play Mario sunshine. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm very, I'm very, I'm very, very torn on it. I'm torn. I, I can't believe you used Mario sunshine as like the top tier 3d Mario game. And then going yeah, back but, to, to have you purchased the new one yet? The, um, the I haven't either. I'm waiting for them. Yeah, I'm waiting for them to fully integrate inter- inverted controls into Sunshine back because they hadn't. They just left it normal. Mm. I can't do Normie, and yeah. I'm not going to do Normie in a game that's just like it's a GameCube platformer. It's not going to be the best controlling 3D yeah. platformer. So I am not doing like controls that like don't make <laughs> sense to me in that kind of situation. That makes sense, <laughs> you know. So I'm kind of waiting, but I'm that's the game I'm buying for myself. Like that's like my Christmas game, you know, like. Because I've never played Sunshine before, ever. Yeah. Like, I played 10 minutes of Sunshine when I was younger. It was like, my, my friend uh, let me borrow his GameCube game. And I just didn't get into it. I was playing mostly NCAA football at that point, though. And yeah. um, we haven't talked about the biggest news of all right now. And I'm sorry, this is turning into a video game intro. And I, I didn't mean for that to happen. But it's okay. we haven't, we haven't, you know, we, we must discuss the fact that um, announced as of today, just this morning, with IO Interactive, the people who make hitman they are now making a 007 game which is very exciting and i am i am cautiously very (laughs) excited about it because i don't particularly like the hitman games and the hitman isn't exactly what bond does but i am excited to see what they can do with it 
Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I've still got this lingering like fear from back in like Nintendo 64 days where adaptations of movies, or in this case books, into video games were just never good. Yeah. And so it, I, I is just, an original it, story, which is nice. They're not pulling from any of the bonds. Makes it worse for me. Because, well, like, I don't know. The best Bond video game, other than GoldenEye, and GoldenEye was great because of the community aspect to it, which makes it good. Um, Everything or Nothing was the original story, and that was a great Bond game that came out on the original Xbox, um, and it was awesome. That game was great. Did you play it? I did, and I didn't like it at all. I loved it, but I'll, I mean, you have to understand, like. It's a Bond video game, like, and it's something that was good for me. You know, like, the con- it controlled well, which none of the other Bond games ever did. They just That's didn't true. ever control well. And this one controlled well and had Pierce Brosnan in it. I'm like, yeah, I'm sold. I was, like, 13. I was like, Bond is my life right now, you know? Yeah. 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 Um, that is, that. Uh, we'll see. I am cautiously optimistic, but I'm also, like, guarded about it. I'm not going to let I am too. get hype about it until I see actual gameplay. I'm like hyped that it's existing and like the Bond property is moving forward in video games again, which makes me really happy because it's really been a part of video games since the 64 moving like, like yeah. even like really, I mean, the last Bond game was from Russia with Love. I think it came out for the 360. I never actually played that one, um, but that one had Connery as its protagonist. Um, that one, I think was the la- actually the last Bond game. So it's, it's probably been seven or eight years since we've gotten the Bond game. Yeah. I'm just I'm just excited for it to be out there. And I don't think I'm going to like it because I don't like Hitman. And like, I'm not like, it's funny because you and I were just talking about stealth games and asked yeah, me if I liked yeah. it. And like, I don't like stealth games, which is funny because the first thing I punched into my Series X was um, Assassin's Creed Origins. And I've just been eating that game up right now. Well, Origins <laughs> is not is more like you know, diet literature. It's action Origins stealth, was the first know? game where they were like, actually, we don't want to make a stealth game. We want to make an RPG. And it's like, yes. what? <laughs> there are stealth what? elements. So it's perfect for me because it's like light stealth elements with mostly RPG action. And mm-hmm. I'm just running around in a 4K 60 frames per second world of Egypt. Like, come on. Like, that alone makes it worth it to me. I love yeah. the mythos around the Egyptian world like that. Anyways, do you have anything else you want to add? I don't want to... I- I do want to just mention that, like, the big reason I didn't like a lot of the Bond games was because one of the biggest gameplay components of Bond games is the gadgets, and they rely too much on the gadgets, and so it winds up feeling less like Bond and more like Mission Impossible. Okay. Because the focus is on the goodies and not the dude. Yeah, that's true. Everything or nothing was very Mission Impossible. Yes. Yes. Lots of lots of lots of big action cutscene. So it's so and what you're going to see, I bet you this next James Bond movie is very um, similar to what we're seeing in Mission Impossible. Not like strikingly so, but I think we're going to get more of a Mission Impossible Bond now because Bond reflects the current c- culture of movies. They always have. They've always been. They've always lagged behind. Like yeah. so, like Bond always reflects the culture, which is why Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. It's it's hard for me to watch those movies. I love both of those movies, but I have a hard time watching them because they are kind of just dumb action 90s movies um, with a little bit of espionage. And so they are good in, <laughs> they're good in certain aspects, but they're just difficult sometimes. It's like a uh, dumb 90s action movie with Pierce Brosnan. Like, how can I know, you go I, wrong? I know. I should love it so much more than that. I also think I've overwatched Goldeneye because it was like my favorite growing up. So I watched that one so many times. Anyways, let's play a game. What, yeah, speaking of what you're watching, what are you watching now? 
Now that I know, because it may be different than what I was watching when we first started this podcast. Mm -hmm. Ten years later. <laughs> Folks, it is 18 to 12 right now. There are seven weeks left in the year. If I post a podcast this Friday, which, by the way, I haven't announced yet. Podcasts are posting Friday now. You're probably used to it. I've been posting podcasts on Friday pretty much since, like, August or July. Um, sometimes on Wednesdays, but mostly they've been hosting on Fridays. So um, that's what they are now. They're on Fridays. And you know why? It's because I did most of my editing on Fridays <laughs> during the summer. And so this is why we're doing it now. And my goal is to eventually record the podcast and immediately edit it and post, uh, like, not post it for the day after, but, you know, like, just have it current. So it's always, always, always current. Yeah. But so if I post something every single week for the rest of the year as of this week, um, which I will, we're going to have um, an episode post tomorrow that's going to be our RNG episode. But we only have seven weeks up, folks, and I am down by six points. So if Max guesses this correctly. Um, or any of the next seven. Or any of the next ones. So I have two choices as a host of the game and somebody who also wants to win. I could make this extremely difficult for the next seven weeks, or I could continue to play the game and do things as I would. And then that's what I'm going to do, because I think that's only fair throughout the whole year to play the game yeah. the exact same way. Um, Cause I, if I beat you, I want to beat you with how we play and not yeah. bending the rules to make it so I could win. So I actually wrote a couple of these clues myself. Huh? Um, I wrote one of them myself and I have another one that I will write myself too, if I need be. Um, so I have five clues for you. Okay. Um, and uh, let's do it. Let's play a game. You know, we should probably say what we're playing. We're playing What Am I Watching? In case this is the very first episode you've ever listened to. Max and I have been playing the game all year long. He tries to guess what I'm watching. He gets five questions, two clues, two guesses. He gets an extra guess. No, I'm sorry. An extra clue if he can take away one of his guesses. And then he'll like pretty much put all of his eggs in one basket. So that's what we're doing tonight. What am I watching? Let's do it. Is it live action or animated? It is live action. Excellent. Is this movie made before or after 2000? Before. Excellent. Give me a clue. Um... The s star in this movie was the biggest salary ever um, to a child actor of this age at the time of filming. Wow. Say that one more time for me. I will, because the way it's pasted in here gives away what the movie is. So I yeah. have to like think about it. The star of the movie I'm watching okay. was paid the biggest salary ever to a actor of this age, child actor of this age at the time of filming. So at this point, there could be somebody that, that was this person's age who was paid more. But at the time of this movie, this was the biggest salary that any child actor has ever gotten who was this age. What genre is this movie? Is that a question I'm allowed to ask, or is that too specific? Because I can I can ask you if it's a specific genre. Um, I've intentionally I, this entire season I've tried not to ask questions that give away too much or force you to like answer. Honestly, yeah. I've tried to make them more like yes or no. But if you feel I like know. that's too a bit too, 
you know, I'm gonna. I will answer it in a way that won't give it away. Um, but it's a comedy. That's what I was gonna ask. Was it a comedy? Yeah. So that works out well. Good. Um, is the child actor Macaulay Culkin? The child actor is Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> Delicious. Give me another clue. Oh man, <laughs> both the clues I have it written down are gonna give. This is great. Anyways, um, there is a toy with the technology in this movie that at the time every child would have wanted this because of the, it was in this movie, but it has largely been known to be technology from a toy that just does not work at all. And was largely a huge bust as a choy, but it was like a main feature of the film. Interesting. Is it one of the home alones? This is not my guess. This is my last question. It is your last question. Yeah, I know. <laughs> it is one of the Home Alones. Shoot. All right, I'm going to burn one of my guesses to get you to give me another clue okay. so that I can narrow down which of the Home Alone movies it is. All right. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. Give me another clue. This is way more This is more fun for me because I think I could just guess. You could guess both of them. You have both of them left, but I understand where you're going with this. Yeah. Like, you could easily get this right now if you just guess both of them in a row. Yeah. But. This is more exciting. Yes. Okay. Because if I, I get it wrong, I'm going to pull my hair out and say I should have just guessed them both. But this okay. way I get to be a legal, little egotistical, right? I've got a pretty commanding lead. It's a very tortoise in the hair situation that we're going So this is my last clue, though. And. It, all right. The director, Chris Columbus, who directed both of them. Uh-huh. recalled that the production spent a ton of money on artificial snow for this film. But oh. right before they filmed it, there was a blizzard. And so they wasted all of that money. That's amazing. It's that's amazing. I, I'm pretty sure you're talking about home alone too. Is that your final answer? Final answer. Dang. Yes. That's it. It's over. I'm adding something here. Max has won the game. I don't think we can we can do it unless there is a Christmas like special that we have an extra show. The best thing I can do for you is uh, no, I can't even tie you. I don't think. Well, we could if you want to play a couple every. We're just honestly, show. let's just keep playing. I mean, yeah. let's just let's you're going to go throughout the end of the year. At this point in time, we're going to keep playing and. Uh, We'll see how many episodes we do. Yeah. And the if, if, might if it's like 19 to 19 at like like December 25th, we're like, all right, let's just film like an extra episode that just focuses on We may just film like game shows for you. That's <laughs> oh, funny. I'm, I'm delighted that you had that last clue because that last factoid is one that I know about Home Alone too. The factoid that's actually written down here is director Chris Columbus recalled that production spent a lot of money on artificial snow for Central Park and then New York yep. City had a blizzard. That's the fact. I had to like make sure to leave those parts out so I wouldn't just automatically give it away. Right. Um, the middle question was the toy. So that talk boy that he used throughout the whole movie. Oh, yeah. That yeah, stuff yeah, just yeah. doesn't work. Like, people know that toy sucks. Like, that's yeah. never worked the way it was supposed to. No. I thought that would have given it away because, like, he doesn't really use a toy in the first one at all. I haven't seen Home Alone 2 in, like, 15 or 16 years. So so you prefer the first one. Is, I have do. You, that's Head interesting. I have always preferred the second. It's I think the second has better For a long time, my brother and I. Yeah. 
It is it is definitely better hijinks. Um, but it starts to feel like that was a that was a golden age of kids' movies, right? Like you had like ridiculous stuff on Disney, like mm-hmm. and, and movies in general, it's like Dunstan checks in and like the the kid from Malcolm in the Middle started doing movies. Like that was just a time when like kids' movies were ridiculous. Like Richie Rich. I don't know right. if you ever saw that one. Like Absolutely. There's so many there was one called um RC about this kid who like had a bunch of like radio controlled toys and like he he it's basically home alone except instead of like booby trapping the house he uses his radio controlled toys to foil the 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 robbers like yeah. just there were so many fun movies of that age and home alone 2 felt more like a bunch of those generic movies a kid in king arthur's than court. like a home alone yes exactly and so it never really felt as special to me it didn't have yeah. the magic that that first one had do you think um, do you Go think ahead. this is like where I like like discovered my love of sequels? Because Maybe. like Two Towers, I prefer Home Alone Two. I prefer Secret of the Ooze over the first one. Like, it, like I'm trying to figure out where the pattern is of why I like sequels more than I like the first one so much. But I don't, mm. like I always preferred Empire Strikes Back over A New Hope. Like, that's actually not true. When I was a child, I Empire Strikes Back was my least favorite. Um, and as I got older, it swapped and it's now my favorite Star Wars movie of all mm-hmm. time. By the way, we're just going to announce it now because I haven't told you this yet. And I've only told one other person yet. And we're talking about stories and movies today. So, and I know Star Wars is coming up, but we're not going to do a movie commentary. But the, the podcast is going to change a little bit. I think we've talked about that a little bit, like where the podcast is going to move next year to a little more fun than it was this year. Mm-hmm. It's pretty much just going to be top 10 lists and like us talking about like the things we love. And then every once in a while, we'll have a, like an episode where we bring somebody in like Brandon and talk to him about his books. And like we'll have guests on all the time, but like we'll have arguments and discussions every once in a while. But it's mostly going to be just like we're talking about things that we really love and that's where, cause I want to talk about things that we have passion for. Cause I think that's what makes the best content. Yeah. So sure. that's where it's going. So I know this is going to be tough and we may have to break it up for a few episodes, but the first 11 episodes of 2021 I have planned out and I want to watch all the star Wars movies and review them good. and go through. And I want to have like a guest it a single guest on or two guests on with as many movies as possible. So we're going to have drew back for sure. Definitely. Drew's coming back for rise of Skywalker. Like absolutely. I have to gang. I need to stack court with that one. And then we're going to try to bring guests in for um, all these movies. So maybe I'll bring in Brianna for one of the episodes. Cause she's never seen star Wars. So I'd love to get her take of somebody who's never seen it before. Um, so that's what we're doing for the next 2021. So exciting things are happening because the first 11 episodes, if we can do, we may throw, like I said, a couple in there that like just to break up the monotony of Star Wars. But really, mm-hmm. we're just going to watch Star Wars for the first part of the year. Um, the, the whole saga and then Rogue One and um, Solo. I want to I want to do all of them. Good. I love it. So, so that's what it is. Excellent. Um, cool. Let's uh, I, I don't know. I just like this one more. I think it's it made me laugh more. It was just more interesting to me because like it was in a weird area of New York. And I always had a fascination of New York as a child just because of like Turtles, this movie, um, like so many things were set in New York that I just yeah. really liked. And so I, I just kind of fell in love with that style of the city. Like I would love to live in New York in the 90s. Like not really, but like. Mm-hmm. You know, like I would, that would be awesome. So yeah. 
That's where we're at. Man, we're like 45 minutes into this and we haven't even discussed our topic. And I'm apologize okay. for we're that. We're talking about lots of different stories, though. Like everything we we've are. talked about is story driven. So it, it's consi- it's an extension of that. I and I wasn't say. really sure, honestly, how long everything was going to take because we may burn through all these questions. Like that's kind of all I wanted to ask. But so essentially what I want to do is is I have all of these like thoughts in my brain that are just bouncing off the wall and I can't seem to jellyfish net them and corral them into any place specific. Mm-hmm. So I just tried to write down and looked at things that I had written down before about stories and I want to just ask you about it and talk to you about it. And the main sure. focus is going to be on movies because that's mainly the stories that I'm most familiar with. I've seen more movies than I have played video games, watched TV shows, or read books. So... Those were like my focuses of stories are going to be. So we're going to get started. So this is essentially a Q&A because I trust Max's opinion on movies. And um, we're going to hope some like conversation breeds out of this. But let's let's get into it. Um, so my, my, my first question, though, is essentially like, is there a general guideline that you feel like most stories tend to follow? Or is there a thing where it's like you must hit these points to and we're kind of like, let's imagine a story being good, you know, or or what do you think would consider something like that? Like, is there some sort of template that people are taught when they're like taught how to write and that kind of stuff? Yes, there is. And it's called The Hero's Journey. And it's great because my next question is, what is The Hero's Journey Journey, and why do you think it works? Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. can just so, wrap both these questions up into one. This is perfect. Yes. It's it's also known as the monomyth. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was originally designed by, uh, what's his name? Campbell, um, Joseph Campbell, who was influenced by Carl Jung's analytical psychology. So like it, 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 the idea is like, there's this very famous, like infographic that you see with the person with a walking stick and it mm-hmm. says, and it's a circle, right? And so this hero is in the known world. They've experienced the call to adventure. They get some sort of supernatural aid. And then they come upon the threshold guardians, which eventually catapult them over the line of the known into the unknown. And this is the beginning of the hero's transformation, right? And so they start out as a helper. They get a helper and then they get a mentor. They face challenges and temptations. They get another helper. They reach the abyss, which is like the, the not necessarily the climax, but like the low point of the character's arc. Where it's mm-hmm. like this concept of the, they have to let some component of their old self die to really become who they need to be to accomplish what they want to accomplish, right? And so it's this internal conflict that's like, do I continue living like I was or do I change to get what I want, right? And some heroes don't. And that's, I think, just as compelling. Mm-hmm. Um, but there is some sort of transformation. And then there's like atonement. And then there's like a return to the known across that boundary again, where where they bring some sort of like gift of in, in a lot of cases is the gift of the goddess or whatever. But it's like the idea is that they come back changed enough to positively change their known world now because of the experiences they had on the journey. And so that's usually what I'm looking for in a story. Um, So why? Like, I guess my question is, is why, like, why does that work for folks? Like, why do you think that, why do you think that produces some good, some good things? You know? Yeah, that's a good question. I think a lot of it has to do with this sort of dual need that humans have to be comfortable, but also to have adventures. You know, like, I think 
the Hobbit really encompasses a lot of that well because it's like, you know, it's the English monomyth, right? Where it's like English people love to sit at home and drink tea and eat food and be comfy. And I feel that like I'm, I'm, I become more Hobbit like as I get older, I think. Um, but then there's also this like yearning, this awareness that like there's more out there and what is that like? And, and I think the hero's journey allows you to go out on the adventures knowing that you can come back. Yeah. Right? Knowing that there is still a home to return to a lot of times in the known world. It may not be the home, right? Like if your village is burned down by the bad guy or whatever, it may not be exactly what you want, but there's always like the valley where the hero is from, right? The or great the prairie. valley. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> that sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And, and sometimes the return to the known isn't the same location, right? It's just like back to your family or back to friends or, mm-hmm. you know, a, creating a new home, right? A new sense of permanence. So I think, I think it's really that sort of dual yearning that we have as beings to be comfortable and safe and also to be exhilarated and have fun. And I think, I think people want to, they want to see folks succeed, but not like so like easy. Yes. Like they, they need to have some sort of struggle there. Otherwise they get called like Mary Sue's and that kind of stuff. You know, we're like, this person didn't struggle at all. Like they didn't earn that victory at all. Right. And and do you think that comes from a personal experience from like people of just like that reward of like, you know, the struggle of your own life of like working hard of accomplishing something and like that, you know, like that feeling is being somewhat replicated in a short amount of time visually, like through a story towards you. And like, that's something that like catches them. And like, obviously on a very subconscious level for sure, you know, Um, I, I just think it's fascinating that, that, this is a very kind of like templated version of something that, I mean, you can obviously see it in a variety of different ways. Um, but a lot of the base is very similar and people are really attracted to that. And I think that's always really fascinating that like there is something out there, like somebody has tapped into the human psyche to like, understand this is the stories that folks like to like, see, this is what they like to listen yeah. to. And let's like, like to read. And, and so it's, and I think overwhelmingly people just, like to see people succeed and they like to like, that's a good feeling and folks want to have that feeling with them. Um, for sure. I think it's also important to note how taste has changed over time though, even in the media we consume now, like with the, with the rampancy of like storytelling in media now, storytelling has gotten so much more sophisticated than Mm -hmm. it used to be. Right. Like even now, if you go back and try to watch lost, it's like, it's like carrot on a stick, you know, it's like something happens every week, but you're not necessarily sure that it's ever going anywhere and things change, but like, it's not necessarily about the characters. And at the time it was like revolutionary, like what awards and shit. And now it's, you look back at it and it's like pretty, pretty simplistic compared to a lot of the really nuanced stuff that we have access to. And I think that's awesome. I think as consumers, we are spoiled rotten right now. Oh my gosh, right now? Such a breadth it's of media unreal the amount of like quality tv and yeah. movies and like any sort of like media that there is out there it's yeah. ridiculous yeah. um the uh so <laughs> speaking of lost lost was like something that like everybody watched in the moment like appointment television you know yeah. like so game of thrones i think was the last one that did that or mm-hmm. like swept up the globe soprano and, and, sopranos came pretty close i'd say Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Sopranos. Well, I'm saying like the most recent one, I guess, yes. is what I'm saying is, is Game of Thrones. Yes. And so, which 
really is is I mean the, that's kind of like people are gravitating towards that style of storytelling where it's not like Tolkien-esque where like good things happen at the end of every single like juncture of like story break mm-hmm. you know like I remember reading about Tolkien he was saying that a lot of times I want to have a complete story for every like break that I have but also right. like I want good things to happen like I want to leave you on a good note and like complete yeah. it um throughout all of it and, and which is totally different than what Martin does because you yeah. know he just just makes he tries to really and his is character driven I and mean, that's really what it is and I think that's where I want to go with this is is um, not that there's a right style, but do you prefer something that is more character driven or more like interesting things are happening to the characters, but it's not necessarily them that are the focal point of the story? So, I th- yeah, that's a great question. And when you talk about when you talk about character versus plot, that's like one of the crucial determinants in a writer's style and in, in terms of a, a consumer's style, like people tend to lean one way or the other. And for me, it really boils down to what story you're trying to tell. There are some stories that if you focus on plot, like the at this point, right, the, the, the fantasy world cannot be plot driven because magical shit's going to happen. You know it's going to happen. You expect it as consumers now, <laughs> right. right? And so if the dragon shows up, people don't care anymore because right. we've seen dragons. Technically, they were drakes, but whatever. Um, so... When you get to this point where people are so numb to wonder in that way, plot starts to take a backseat. And that's, I think, a big reason is why M. Night Shyamalan was so popular for a while is because plot, the plot had a twist, right? And mm-hmm. that was always really exciting for people. And I think now consumers are pretty sophisticated. I think as the quality of storytelling we have access to has gone up, the average level of consumer sophistication has also gone up. Oh, Especially so. when it comes to, like, conscious or unconscious, right? You might not sit down and have a coffee and chew the shit with somebody about it. You might not be able to say, like, this is what I like. But people know. They pick up on it, right? And they they either feel they either like or don't like something on screen because they've been trained to. And so I think, in general, character-driven stories tend to be more fun. But I have always been of the mind that it's a false equivalency. That it's a false dichotomy. That... that Sorry, false dichotomy, not false equivalency. False dichotomy, because I think compelling characters are what propel the story. But you need compelling things to happen to compelling characters to force them up against, to, to, to basically act as hurdles in the way of their journey towards getting what they want, right? Conflict drives all of this. Like you were just talking about, that's what we're obsessed with is conflict, because that's existence, right? right? Um, you know, you don't, you watch which is so funny because in real life we spend so much time avoiding conflict, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, the harmony is such a praised thing in the Western world. Um, and there are so many people who are just like, no man, like fight. Like I want to see some people have an argument. Like let's let, let, give me that. Yeah. Which is, I think why game of Thrones tent was so popular was because it was just like a bunch of bad people doing bad stuff to each other. Um, and the handful of good people got turned bad by all the bad around them. And the one person who didn't get turned bad was killed in the first season, so it didn't matter. But returning back to this concept of um, character or plot, it's a lot to me like it's like dinner and dessert, right? Where it's like you can you can get by on either, but it's really only best if you have both. 
What about you? What do you do? You, what do you do? You find yourself drawn more towards one or the other? Yes, absolutely. I find myself more drawn. Well, I think I find myself drawn to whichever one is better. You know, huh. does in, that make in sense? Whatever story you're seeing. Yes. Yeah. And so, if it's the story, I'll like sit and focus more on the story and be like, "That was really interesting," and like. The characters were not good, but like the, what was happening to him was like was good and interesting. <laughs> yeah. But if I want to like if I prefer something, I I always always prefer um, prefer uh, characters over mm-hmm. over story, and I I just think because you know characters can go, and I think you know what it stems from. Honestly, I think it stems from Seinfeld, where a whole scene can be set inside of a coffee shop. Yep. And I can just be interested and enthralled the entire time. Mm-hmm. Like, just so, so happy with it. And, and I think that 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 has a lot to do with how I like my, my media, where I want my media to make sense and to, and to be more realistic than, than not. Yeah. Um, and, and so and, and that's really was honestly my next question. So a Seinfeld kind of leads really nicely into this is and if you have anything more to say, and this is we're just smorgasbord in this, like, feel free to repeat things and like go back to things if I'm not if, if we're moving too forward and we have more stuff to say about things. OK, um, but really, it's like. Do you think. So my question is, and we can kind of expand on this, is so what do you think is more important for a story? Is for everything to be tied up and connected or for it to be realistic? And so I think what I mean by that is like just as an example, like I don't know, like you – I'm sure you do, but I don't know how much the audience knows how like perfect or – extraordinarily good of a screenplay people think back to the future is like Mm -hmm. they just think it's and the reason they think it's an incredible screenplay is because everything in that movie if you like focus on something it has a purpose and purpose it has a purpose and it has like some sort of connection either to later in the film or to something else like it's all intentional and that's kind of something that i actually shy away from a little bit um, because it's everything's too neat for me. Like it needs to be a little messy. Yeah. Um, I like things that are more realistic and things that are like, well, yeah, that would make sense. Like it makes more sense of a galaxy of billions of people for you know the main protagonist not to be related to the main antagonist. You know, right. like right. And, and so, even though I think you can do compelling stories that way, I just kind of that's more of an eye roll for me than it is for anything else. So I wanted to ask you. Not necessarily what you prefer, but like in the terms of storytelling, do you think for an audience it's more important to kind of make those connections and to have everything succinctly flow together or to be chaotic like life really is and kind of really reflect the realism of something rather than the like perfect connections of everything? I think it depends on two things. I think it depends on the story you're trying to tell because I think, you know. Can you hear me? Yeah. I just lost you. you. I just lost you for a second. I just wanted to make oh, sure. Oh, I just, I muted myself. Okay, that's why. I just, I was just worried that the muting was us hiccuping again and I was panicked about it. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So it depends on two things for me. Um, one is the story you're trying to tell because, you know, 
any any story told well is a good is going to be a good story, right? Like, I I think how a story is told matters a lot more than than the story itself, honestly. Mm-hmm. Um, especially because you know there's there's not a lot new under the sun, and most of the stories have already been told. So if you're gonna if you're gonna have the audacity to retell a story, you better damn well do a good job of it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I think I think a lot of movies where you saw that sort of tight knit stuff happening a lot of stories where you see that tight knit stuff happening was in movies because the, the short form version of stories that you get in film is so rapid fire and the cost of production is so high that you really can't afford quote unquote in the budget to have superfluous shots, right? Everything has to be economical. Everything has to be there for a reason. And I think that's one of the biggest blessings of the, the advent, the renaissance of media right now and storytelling in general is that we've got these long form media stories where what would have been a movie idea is now a TV series, right? Yeah. And you get eight hours to tell the story instead of one and a half or two. Mm-hmm. And that's where you start getting really meaty in these details, in these irrelevancies, in these fake endings and these false starts you know it becomes more labyrinthine it's much more like a maze where you wander around and bump against a dead end and then you have to turn back and you know that feels more human um but i think for me a lot of what was fun about cinema was the fact that it wasn't realistic right and that that was what the allure is of like action movies and like james bond and stuff is like that's cool because it's not real yeah so when you get dramedies, shows like, you know, Shameless, shows like um, Mad Men that are about real life humans, um, it's harder for me to get excited about it because I would much rather just be living my life, right? Because my life is exciting and fun and I love all the people in it and all my friends are great. And so if I want to just like go shopping at the store and people fight, like I can do that in real life. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need to like sit down and binge that. Um, whereas like movies and, and TV shows and fan, that's, that's why I tend towards genre fiction in general is because I want to experience, I want to see stuff that I can't see normally, yeah. which is, it, it's more fun for me. And, and no, that I'm... often happens in realistic shows. Like I adore scream Queens. I don't know if you've ever seen scream Queens. Mm-hmm. It's on Hulu. It's great. Um, and I love it because it is so unrealistic. Like it's just these, people being unbelievably horrible to each other while there is a ridiculous serial killer running around. Yeah. And so it's, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. It's, it's a great show. I, I think I'm actually 100% with you on that last like branch of statements. I, I think what I, and I'm not saying I disagree, but I think what I really enjoy are the things that are intentionally put into stories that just don't matter. Yeah. And, and you know, and I, I think that's why like, like I always kind of go back to swingers a little bit because swingers is just about a story of two guys. And it's just about a story of two guys going to Vegas for a day and a half. Like that's it. Yeah. That's the whole movie. It happens over like a six day period. And it's just about like these two guys life for that time. Yeah. And, and I really like that movie only because I just enjoy reflections of real life. And I think I just makes me so happy when the the filmmaker has the intentional like idea to put something in their film that is not connected and doesn't make sense at all to anything else because that's what happens in real life. 
Mm-hmm. And I, I just, that kind of like reflection to me makes me really happy because I'm just kind of tired of everything having like a purpose connected to something else, you know? Like Back to the Future is a little, I love Back to the Future. And the reason it's a good screenplay, I actually have nothing, like nothing wrong with that screenplay just because I think it's, there's no like dumb, I think maybe my issue is, is the is people doing it poorly. Maybe that's where I'm like having an issue with it. Where yeah. it's just like, well, obviously that's the case because like that, yeah, you couldn't have like, you know, it, it's, it's, I always talk to folks about um, when I'm watching TV shows of, I get really impressed with writers who write themselves into corners that take really creative ways of getting out Yeah. versus writers who write themselves into corners. And then suddenly there's this superhero that's more powerful than everybody else and comes and saves you. Yeah. Like, yeah. yes, don't get me wrong. You can have some great hype moments. Like Endgame is awesome. That hype moment has me crying every time I see it. When those like circles start opening up and everybody comes and saves everybody. Like, Oh yeah. And even in infinity War, when Thor shows up, like I love an overpowered superhero. That's one of yeah. my favorite things. Actually, it actually, one of the reasons I don't like Harry Potter as much as I probably would is because Radcliffe, not Radcliffe, but because Potter is not as powerful as I want him to be. I want him to be like the greatest, most powerful wizard of all time. And the yeah. chosen one that way. Anyways. Um, but like, I just watching TV shows just frustrates me when it's like, oh, cool. It's like somebody who's your half brother who has the same powers as you just suddenly shows up and they saved your ass. Like, you know, like mm-hmm. that, that kind of stuff really frustrates me. And that's kind of what I'm talking about. Where like, yeah. it feels like they're trying to make these connections because in a writer's room, I can see it and I can be like, that sounds really cool. What if he's like a stepson of him and it's like this weird evil, pro- that sounds awesome. But then you reflect it on screen and a lot of times it doesn't translate. And it's just, I think that's my issue with the realism versus the non-realism stuff where like, I like to escape. Like my favorite movies are fiction and I like weird, like sorry to bother you is one of the best movies I've seen. Yeah. That gets weird and yes. it is awesome. And I am so about that. I just, in that movie, everybody does what realistically I feel like they would probably do in those situations, yep. even though it's a fantastical world. Maybe that's why I like Murakami so much. It's because he builds these fantastical worlds and then puts characters who like it would make sense of them moving these actions going forward. Mm-hmm. So. Um, we kind of mentioned this, but we didn't really specifically talk about it in particular, but I think you did a little bit. Um but I really had a couple questions about movies because we've gone through a lot of my big story things that I wanted to talk about already. Yeah. Um, but just in touch on this again, but what do you think? I want to move into to movies. I'm sorry. I'm, I'm, my thoughts are kind of going everywhere right now. Um, but I want to move into movies now. What do you think makes a good story for a movie? What are things that you look for in a movie that signals quality I still think it's an interesting conversation to have about um, what do you think about the movie's popularity versus the movie's quality? Just because mm-hmm. I still think popular movies can technically be qualified as better movies for doing what they're supposed to. Let me put it this way. Do you think a movie is more important to tell a good story or to try to do what it's trying to do or both de- or depends, you know? Yeah, and that's Ask a lot of questions there, I'm sorry. No, it's okay. I I get what you're going at. And I think it all, like... So, obviously, the main main argument that I have is just, like, 
differentiate between what is good and what you like. Right. Right. It's okay to like things that are good and like things that are not good. Like what you like. That's fine. Um, but be able to identify what is good or not as well. Mm. Right. And my classic example of this is the original Transformers movie by Michael Bay. Garbage movie. So dumb. I love it because it was like the first time someone had reimagined my childhood with next gen graphics like this. It blew my mind. I don't think it's a bad movie. I, I maybe I can't separate what I like because I have too high of an opinion of myself on what I like between what's good and bad. But like, uh, I like, I think that movie's good. Like legitimately think that movie is, I think that movie is no worse than kingdom of crystal skull. I can, I can see that. I think a lot of it for me felt like, um, it felt like it was trying to reinvent characters that were already really complex and like beloved. You know what I mean? So like, yes, for example, Bumblebee not being able to speak. That's such a gimmick, right? It's such a gimmick. It's just like, I'm going to tell this story, but I'm going to put my own spin on it. And my own spin is that the main Autobot that you spend most of the movie with can't talk. And then you get, you get all these gag jokes about like radio stations and songs and stuff. And it's like, okay. And it's cute the first time. And I would have much preferred it if after like the first 10 or 15 minutes, like they go to a junkyard and fix his voice box so he can be a real character again, because it felt really dehumanizing in a way, which is silly to say about a giant robot, but like, you know, you get what I mean? Like it robbed him of his approachability and his empathy a lot. And I think it, it, it transformed him from like a a hero, an aspiring hero and a, a, a noble, you know, noble captain of the Autobots into basically like a stuffed animal. Right. Right. With guns. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And that's, that's garbage to me. I'm not a huge fan of that. You probably shouldn't have like the transformer, extraterrestrial being that's like more powerful than every person on the human planet to be your sidekick you know anyway um but but, the second half of your question i think that i want to point out too is that you talk about what is the point of a movie and that like story or or basically profit and i think there's an equal um dichotomy that exists there where it's like well define 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 pop you know is a popular movie good or is it successful? Because if a popular movie is designed to make money, it's successful. But I don't think that necessarily makes it good. Avatar was extremely successful. I don't think it's good. Do you not think Avatar is even like as a 3D tech demo? Do you think? It's no, it's pretty. It's beautiful. Because like, I think that's gorgeous. It's that's gorgeous, why it was good. But it's not good. But like I watched that movie three times in the theaters every single time 3D and I tried to go IMAX as much as possible just because I wanted to watch the 3D. Yeah. And that's, I feel like what the movie was trying to like, that made yeah. the movie good for me though. Like, like I, I, you know, like I, you I liked just, it. That made you like it. That doesn't necessarily make it good. But who were having, we had this conversation eight months ago and I love it. Who sets these rules that make this quantifiable thing? Like as a society, these are the things that we consider a good movie when everybody has so many different tastes and so many different ways of looking at something. Why can't a good movie be something that says I liked it? That makes it good to me. You know, like, isn't that the purpose of it? 
really like yes the purpose of a lot of films are to make money for things and sometimes the purpose of a film is only to make money that's the only reason it's yeah. there and, and that, I, I mean that's that. the film industry these days in general really right like and, and i i do get that but at the same time i just if i like something and a lot of other people like it i can't see <laughs> i'm talking about movies in particular how that's not a good thing and a good film and like something that accomplishes even so, more than what it wants you know the, and, it and made money this... and a ton of people like it this is where the this is where the importance of language comes into play for me because good implies quality, right? And success is not is not quality, right? right? But McDonald's is wildly successful. Their food is garbage. It's literal garbage. It's like garbage food, right? And they are still very successful. So how can how can billions of people be wrong? Because it's like that classic trifecta of like the economics of production, right? You can have it good. Good quality, you can have it quick or you can have it cheap. Pick two. Mm-hmm. Right? And 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 so you always have to sacrifice one. I think good movies manage to stretch all three. And I think they are rare because of that. So <laughs> Avatar, for example, is beautiful and it's um It's a story. Epic. Right? It's <laughs> it's epic. So like There are a lot of hype moments. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So like it's got those things. But I think the characters fall really flat. I think, like, as someone who had already seen Fern Gully, somebody who had already seen Thumbelina, The Secret of Nim, all right. of these, all of these recycled, recycled stories about the white fucking savior, about some ignorant white dude who comes in and is like, no, I know better than you do. I'll save everybody. And then does. It's like, come fuck yeah. on. Like, if you give me a Toyota Camry from 1992, great car wildly reliable right people still love that car people still drive that car because it's so damn reliable like 92 to 98 um if you give me a 1992 toyota camry with the coolest paint job in the world it's still a 1992 camry (laughs) like it's the engine is not suddenly like replaced right the seats are not suddenly more comfortable it's just a different coat of paint Yes, but, and but you, for me, Avatar is a very tired story with a very shiny coat of paint. I don't necessarily disagree with what you're saying, actually, in terms of making monetary success. I would like to put aside monetary success and look at popularity as in people like this thing. Yes. And so lots of people like this thing, but the critics say it's bad. How, like, how can those two coincide with each other? Because a lot of people like this thing. That means it's, like, good. That means people in, have enjoyed watching it. You know, like, th- like, it's doing exactly what it's supposed to be doing. But not even grat. Like, it just, it's something that brings people so much joy. Like, who cares if it's technically doesn't fit into your checkboxes of what critically means success? If it brings way more people joy than something that does check boxes that makes people critically successful. Like, I, I do understand there is a difference between quality and something I enjoy. Like, I do get that. Like, I, it's it's just it's something that in my mind is very difficult to wrap my head around personally because I struggle with the fact that I know Transformers is not like 
the greatest movie, even though I do think it's a good movie. I mean, I, maybe I can pick a different one that has a better connotation. Ninja Turtles 3 is a bad movie. I have a hard time <laughs> watching that, but I like that movie. I yes. I do enjoy watching it for like when I watch the first two, I have to watch the third one because there are that movie has as bad as that movie is. It has a ton of like go get them charm, you know, like they sure tried to make that movie. What it, like they sure tried to replicate the secret of the ooze like. Like Secret of the Ooze is even a, not a great like quality of film. Like, Mm-mm. but I love that movie so much, and so it, it's not that I don't understand that there are things that I get that are quality. I'm just trying to wrap my head around why that's the case. I think that's where I lie is why, like why, why does it matter? Like, what's the what's the purpose of it if this is something that so many people love and enjoy, but it's deemed a critical failure. Like, because if you only go to McDonald's, you die of a heart attack at age 35. Yeah, but McDonald's like, is like something you have to have to live. Food. Food, you have to. You don't have to have movies to live. No, movies but you, I, there, I, would argue, I would argue that stories are essential to human existence. Okay. We can Back do, before humans had language, they were painting on walls to tell each other stories about stories, how the hunt went. Absolutely. So you're okay. Let's Yeah, we can put this out to stories. I'm, I'm okay with that. Like. Like it's it's just I don't know. Like I I don't think you can equate McDonald's to Transformers. I don't think they're the same thing. I it, they are they are exactly the same. They are and, wildly and, popular and they are very colorful and they are bad. <laughs> but they but they are they taste delicious. You see okay, what I'm saying? So let me, and let that's me ask the you. Thing. Let me ask like, you. Like the thing then. can taste good but still be bad for you. So let me ask you this then. So what then is the negative repercussion of watching Transformers? A the, the awareness that you believe it's good. <laughs> the negative see, repercussion is see. that it warps the understanding of what creativity and art are capable of. That's that's the issue. Is it it dumbs down people's expectations okay. the same way McDonald's does. Where if that kind of meat, that sort of grade D beef that just comes in patties is all you ever taste. And someone offers you a steak, like a nice porterhouse, like at a, like a Ruth's Chris or whatever. Mm-hmm, and you say, mm-hmm. no, I want the grade D burger patty. Cause it's familiar. Then you're like, you've missed out on an incredible opportunity to taste something so much better. And it's not because you're necessarily afraid of the new thing so much as it is. You are comfortable with what you already know. Okay. <laughs> so I think it I, I think it dulls expectations. And I think that's what's happened over time and why we see so many reboots right now. Is expectations have been dulled because people just want to see the stuff they like with the shinier coat of paint. And so that's what we get. Do you And think- you have to break out exceptions to the rule, obviously, but in right. general. But but you think so. Do you think it's an overall dumbing down of society's creative awareness? Not awareness. I think I think people know awareness that good is stuff is word. out there. Right. So why do why do studios then think that the formulaic reboots will do better than a good quality film? For because obviously it's hard to make a quality film, right? I mean, lots of people just have to come together. I get that, like. Because when you're talking about an investment, basically what filmmaking is is speculation, right? You are speculating on the market. And people don't want to speculate 
tens of millions, especially as the cost of filmmaking has gone up with CG and the amount of time it takes to render all this stuff graphically, like companies aren't going to speculate 40, 50, 60 million dollar budgets on a new story when you can you can copy paste the old story people love, make it shinier and make yourself on a 15 million dollar budget and make 30. The guaranteed 15 is safer than a possible 60, right? As exhibited by the recent Square Enix Marvel Avengers game, where they lost their butts because they made a really shiny game that had no soul. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's that the same true. thing with movies is you wind up you wind up with this dumbed down version. And I, when I say dumbed, I'm I shouldn't I should use something different. This sim- oversimplified, yeah. oversimplified version of storytelling where you get the story, but it's like every week you come back and it's like it's like clue, right? Where it's just like it's like um, what's the what's the game where you fill in the blanks on road trips? What's that called? Oh, you know what I'm talking about? Yes, I, I do think- know what you're talking about. A noun it's, or an adverb? Yes, yes, I know. I Mad know. Libs. Mad Libs. It's like, it it's yes, like yes. it becomes like Hollywood Mad Libs. And that's why I'm so excited about the rise of indie filmmaking is because they are pushing boundaries that Hollywood used to push, right? Hollywood has become comfortable. Hollywood has become a self-perpetuating money machine where they just reinvest in stuff that sells, they make some money, and they do it again. And they don't want to gamble with that much money because they don't have to because what, what works sells, because people keep voting with their wallets, right? And so you wind up with, especially in a situation like with Hollywood, where the people who could be telling really compelling, incredible stories are not because it's safer not to. And I think that's one of the biggest dangers, which really, I mean, what we're talking about here at the heart of this conversation is like art. Right. Right. Like what is art? What is what is the purpose of art? What is the usefulness of art? And like, I think you ha- you just have to be careful. Like I'm all about hitting up McDonald's when I've been out drinking, like, you know, once every few weeks, once every two months, go to McDonald's, get myself a greasy burger, Big Mac f- bag fries, yeah. you know, and a chocolate shake and just load up. And I feel like crap for like 36 hours afterwards. And it takes me another two months to convince myself that that's a good idea again. But it's, you have to just take it in measure, right? It's like all things take it in good take it in balance like you're absolutely allowed to enjoy movies that aren't good but you should also expose yourself to movies that are critically acclaimed so that you can understand what 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 other people think is important because it's not so much about who's right as it is about honing your understanding of what you like right and ultimately as consumers our only responsibility is to ourselves right and maybe our dates so by by no, learning what we like, by by trying out these movies that critics love, and then saying, "Oh, I like this part of it, but I didn't like this part of it," you 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 refine your awareness of yourself and your happiness and your joy and what makes you happy, so that you can more effectively pursue that in the future. Do you do you think folks like look at things that way though? Like, I don't think they might consciously, but I think most people want to do things that they enjoy, and I think. Most of them want to do a thing that they enjoy. And if it's better than they remembered it the last time, they'll keep doing it. Yeah. I guess I was thinking, like, do you think they look at, like, specifically, like, films that in depth of, like, well, I need to go see 
what this person is doing just because like this sounds exciting and I've never seen this before. Do they just look at it and say, oh, the new Fast and Furious movie's out. I got to go watch that. Because I know like it's really surprising to me because it's actually really frustrating for me. Um, it's very difficult for me to like go watch movies with people because I want to just go see everything at all times. So you just point me at a theater, throw a dart and like, I'm going to go see the movie with you. I don't yeah. care what it is. And like, I'm willing to watch any movie you want me to. I just like that medium a lot. Mm-hmm. And so... I have just, I've dated, I've been friends with people who generally just like going to see movies that they're comfortable with yeah. and that, that, that there have people who are in it. And you know what, as I'm talking about this and thinking through it, I think, I think, I think you have convinced me within my own words to, to come over to your side a little bit, because maybe they would have an, like they clearly sometimes enjoy watching movies. Like I was dating somebody very briefly, very, you know, casually for um, a bit who really pretty much went and saw every movie that Nicole Kidman was in just because she liked Nicole Kidman a ton. Who doesn't? A lot. You know, like, I mean, I mean, I, I agreed. Yeah. But like, <laughs> I mean, like, but she would not really go see a lot of their films. And then like we, I like, we went and saw like murder on the orient express together we saw another movie like i because i go and see like we saw um oh, it's the darkest is it the darkest hour which is mm-hmm. the one where oldman dressed up as churchill was that it yeah yeah we saw that one together and she's like those were like pretty good we had some good conversations but she's like i never would have watched these on my own without mm-hmm. like going with you but i like them and so i think your your point there at the end of of the reason you need to do it is 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 really it's it's a service to yourself almost. Yes. Like honestly, uh, you know, like you need to experience those things and go out and and if you want if you like movies and, and want to watch more, like you need to see things that you're not necessarily comfortable with just because you may not know if you like it or not. Right. You just try it. You know, yeah. like and watch this you know, yeah. I, I think I think I can I can get behind it. It still is hard for me to wrap my head around the dichotomy between something being good quality and something like being popular and people liking it. Cause I do think there is something very valuable there. That's better than McDonald's, you know, McDonald's tastes good, but I do think there's some refreshness to your soul of just sitting down and watching a popcorn flick. Like, you know, yeah, no, and, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not arguing that they are necessarily bad on their own. I'm just saying that like, if that's all we get forever, right. mm-hmm. that's a problem. And really it's, it's a big problem with Hollywood just because they're the ones who have the money, right? right? And so when when the people who have the money and are releasing the movies are doing the safe stuff and recycling content, you get sale content. And eventually it just turns into Soylent. Right. Soylent Green. Yeah. You know, it's like... Though I do think consumers are becoming more sophisticated mm-hmm. and not just going and just watching it just because it's an X-Men movie. Yeah. You know, like... Yeah, and even and even each of the series is like getting better. Like each iteration of the X-Men has gotten better and better. I'm actually considering watching the new, new mutants tonight. Yeah. I think I may, I mean, I'm going to watch it tonight or tomorrow, I think. Cool. Um, but I have an activity plan for tonight and I need to watch some people while I'm doing it. <laughs> Fun. Um, sweet dude. Thank you. I think that's good. Like I'm good. Do you have anything more to say? Like, I think we kind of wrapped it up there at the end. Well, I uh, think, yeah, I just want to touch on this concept that like, so when I'm talking about like enjoyment, and stories and what is good and critics and stuff like we've all seen Ratatouille, right? Like it doesn't matter what the critics say, as long as you're doing something that you makes you happy and fulfills you. Right. And I think the biggest 
hurdle you run up against in situations like this is when you try to force other people into your category. Like mm-hmm. you, you t- try to tell them like, well, you should like this movie because it's good. And it's like, I don't like that movie. It's like, okay, like let it die there. Like, that's it. If they don't like it, fine. And that's okay. And you can, you're welcome to list all the reasons why you don't like it. If I can list all the reasons why I do, and then we'll know a little bit more about each other. Because really, when we have dialogue about creativity and art and stuff, like it's an opportunity in the same way that movies or any creative medium, experiencing different types of it allows us to hone our own understanding of ourselves. Sharing our understandings of these mediums allows us to hone our understandings of each other. And I think that's the true gift of storytelling in general, is being able to get to know each other better by sharing them. Mm -hmm. Yes, I agree. And you... Folks are going to get to see and hear us do that exact thing in about five or six weeks when we start arguing about Star Wars because there will be disagreements. And I am very excited because I I know that we disagree about some films. And so it's and and I'm going to bring folks on who also can talk and have opinions and stuff. So uh, I watched I watched some dude on YouTube the other day who was like, Star Wars is a bad movie. Like all of them are bad movies. And I was like, that is a very controversial and brave thing to say yeah <laughs> oh man man this was great this was a lot of fun this went in directions that i'm glad it went to i feel like this is a nice cap to like our conversations from eight months ago about quality mm-hmm. versus i i honestly have been thinking about that for so long and i do feel like i made some progress tonight so that's exciting Congratulations. i really appreciate the dialogue yeah. Um, and finally getting to talk about stories this has been such a daunting topic to me because it says there's so much here and i just don't know which way to pull myself into the direction of which way we wanted to go and eventually i was just like you know i just got to write down the questions that i feel like i need to ask and, and start there because right. i mean there's stuff that we haven't even touched on within stories that like are just pet peeve lists for me you know just like things like Oh, like we touched on it a little bit, but it just, oh man, like the most frustrating thing for me in the world is people criticizing story plot holes um, when you have more information than the characters do. And that's mm-hmm. what you are creating the plot hole of. Right. And it's just like, yeah, but you, you've seen all the scenes. They don't know that yet. Right. They wouldn't have seen that. They can make this like the entire point like of you know, Poe and, and, uh, Finn and, um, Rose for the last Jedi, they have none of the information that we have. Yep. And that's why they did what they did. And it actually grew them as people. And they, Oh, it's so good. I love all of that. I know people trash in the Picanto bite stuff, but like, I'm a pretty big fan of that whole thing actually, but it's, yeah. Well, we will talk about The Last Shady when we get there. It'll be the shortest episode we will have ever had. It'll be five minutes long. It'll be, Max, do you like it? Yes. Aaron, do you like it? Yes. All right. Let's the do end. it. <laughs> <laughs> no, there's so much to get into with The Last Jedi. I am so excited to get there 20 weeks from now. Anyways, thank you guys so much for joining us. This was a lot of fun. Max and I are going to go play some Demon Souls for about 10 minutes. And um, that's it. Do you have anything else you want to share as far as your social medias or anything? Just reach out to us. Hit us up at the uh, Infinite Pulp Twitter and write mm-hmm. to us at the email and ask us your questions. What are your thoughts on this? What do you think about art? What is yes. art? Like, what is what is good? What is not? Or is any of what we're saying making sense? Do you have different ways of looking at it that is more or less fun? Like, hook us up. Mm-hmm. Do all of that. Twitter is just at Infinite Pulp. 
Um, you can hit me up personally if you want to on Twitter, which is pretty much the same thing as visiting our Twitter page at Damp Mango, DMP3D Mango. Um, as far as we can go for emails, podcast at infinitepulp.com will get you there. Um, send us in everything you can. We'll, we'll take everything. If you send it in, we will most likely read it. Um, so I will always read everything you send in, whether it gets read on air. You got a good chance, though. I think 95, 98, 99% of chance of me reading it on air. <laughs> <laughs> For there. There are so many good people in this movie. Tim Curry, Rob Schneider. Like, Catherine O'Hara, Macaulay Culkin. Joe Pe- There's just It's just a cast. This this cast is so good. Yes. How could you not like the movie more when it has Tim Curry in it? We're going to just... just you guys have a good night. We're, gonna, we're leaving now. Yeah, we'll see you <laughs> later. Bye.